Well, they've Could got be. that Altidore on loan. Well, he looked excellent, actually. He did look good, didn't he? He was imposing, yeah. good touch, looked keen to get involved. I mean, I think that's always the benefit of bringing in a young player on loan who's talented, that they the will give it all to try and impress. Yeah, what's the other guy? The other guy? I can't I can't his name now. He hit the bar. Did he score? Let's, and then he hit let's the bar. find out his yeah. name. Yes. As as we know what... <laughs> yeah, we don't want to look like we're really blagging. <laughs> <laughs> um, where's the fucking squad? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good job they don't do this live, Mike. That's all I can say. Yeah, I can't even see him. He was had some weird name. It's oh, this is this is whole rugby fucking league. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Let's cut him out. Lose, he doesn't deserve a mention. Lose that. Lose that. Mate. <laughs> he doesn't deserve a mention. He's You're shit. Out, mate, because you don't know who the hell you are. <laughs> it's fucking annoying me though until I find his name. <laughs> It was a short name, possibly two yeah. syllables. I think it began with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a he looks North African, the guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, yeah, he played well. Gilas. Oh, Gilas. well remembered. Not well remembered, well uh, Google. Well, well Google. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the second edition of Over the Bar. With me, uh, resident arse, Peter Story. Hi guys. Special guest for this week, Golden Blunder. Evening. And Mockney. Oh no, he hasn't bothered to turn up. So United then, seemingly back on form after a shaky result against Burnley. How did you think it went? I just, just got a look at who we're playing. I mean, they're not the greatest team in the world, are they really? But it was good to knock in five goals. Settled kind of feeling to the team. Good to see him get his first goal. Well, we, last week we discussed that 4-4-2 maybe isn't the way to go. Well, we stuck with it again with Valencia and Nani on the wings and Berbatov and Rooney up front. And I thought it worked a lot better in the second half. Berbatov and Rooney seemed to gel and Valencia and Nani were doing good work down the wings. Yeah, I, th- I think we're a bit limited actually this year um, with the formations that we can play because obviously Ronaldo's gone. He gives us that kind of flexibility to play you know, two or three different formations, but the likes of Valencia, Park, Nani, they don't really give us that flexibility. I mean, Valencia and, and Nani are like night wingers. Park, could you even classify him as a winger? I wouldn't. So I don't think we have that flexibility. I think 4 4 2 is probably our strongest possible tactic, unless we get a couple more bodies in, which I don't see happening. Mm, that's a good point. I was actually asking last week, you know, why are you playing 4 4 2? But I think you're right there that you may not have the flexibility of players to play that 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3 quite so easily. It's a good point. I thought Berbatov looked uh, a lot better in this game. Not just in terms of his commitment, but his touch and his awareness and his link-up play was very good. And also, yeah, he, he was he was fantastic, I have to say. But I still have this thing about Berbatov. I'd like to see him get forward, get a few more shots in. Well, he scored, a, he scored a goal, which hopefully will be the first of many this season. I can't no, remember that. It took you about an hour to get going, really, didn't it? Well, I thought we played decent in the first half, but obviously we didn't get the breakthrough. I think once we got one, there was always going to be the floodgates were going to open. Um, I'll be honest, I thought it was going to be one of those matches where we were sitting there until, like, the 85th minute. You know, where you think, where the bloody hell is this goal going to come from? Well, we said that now Ronaldo is not here to just drag us in these kind of games, drag us forward, that who's going to do it? And I thought Rooney did it well. For the first goal, he dropped deep, picked up the ball, put it out to the right to Valencia, got in the box and finished off himself, which is exactly what you're looking for from a player. Well, it's what you're looking for from Rooney to step up. Absolutely. And another header too. Yeah. Something that seems to be adding to his game this year, which is good to see. And I also thought Valencia was a big positive as well, because he was getting a lot of stick from the fans in the second half he was beginning to cause yeah. he put in a couple of challenges and then he responded straight away with the cross for the goal and that's for, to me that's a great thing to see in a player he's not going to hide he's going to get the ball and he's still going to do his thing when he's getting stick which is uh, what you're going to get for United especially on the road yeah absolutely I'd like to see him get on the ball and run with the full a bit more though because he's obviously quick and he's got a good cross he must Just be like one of the fastest players in the league I would have thought looking at him over the first 10 yards anyway yeah yeah but let's see him get run at the fullbacks a lot more. I think he's been a little bit restrained so far. Well, it's hard with the teams we've played because they have sat quite deep, so there isn't much space in the behind to run, and you're going to run down blind alleys. 
when you're yeah, when you're playing a more open team, then I think you'll see that a bit more. Yeah, certainly playing for Ecuador, he tended to run, you know, run at the fullback and beat fullbacks. But you might be right. It's just because they've they've got two banks of four, and it's quite difficult. You got to beat two men basically to get to the byline. Well, yeah, in preseason we saw him beat his man all the time, but then the teams were a lot more open, not up to the same quality. Yeah, the, I suppose the other thing is you just don't know at the moment how good Wigan are because they they lost in the Carling Cup, I think four one yesterday. I mean, I probably rested a few players. Well, they've lost a lot of their better players over the last year or so. Yeah, lost transition as well, really, aren't they, with the new manager? Got a new manager. They lost Catamol. They lost Palacios. They lost Valencia. Heskey. Do you think Wigan will be um, fighting a relegation battle this year? I think they won't do as well as they did. I mean, they did really well under Bruce. I think they won't do as well. I think they'll be there or thereabouts all season. I think they're probably looking at 17th. 16th, 17th. Like 16th. If they stay up, they'll be pleased because it's a big transition season for them. I think in the end, against United, you know, if we'd scored another two or three goals, second half, it wouldn't have flattered. No, in, in the end, we were opening them up with ease, really. Yeah, once the first goal came in, they seemed to crumble pretty much, and it was a question of how many you were going to get. Fantastic finish by Owen. I think that would be one of the most heartening things if he can you know, start popping them in like that. That'll make a lot of difference to you. Especially from the bench as well, because we've missed that since. Um, since Solskjaer retired, really. Yeah. I like the look of genuine pleasure on his face when he scored, obviously. Yeah, it was nice that he went over to the crowd as well. and Yeah. It was nice that the crowd responded well as well. There's still going to be guys he'll never win over the Yeah, that's true. But then Fletcher's still going to have that as well, probably, and various other players. So he's not alone in that. And it was good to see Vidic back as well. He made the defence look a lot more solid. It's amazing what the presence of such a good defender can do for the other players around him. Yeah, I mean, he's solid, and uh, the type of game really against Wigan suits him perfectly. Yeah, um, gets stuck in. But his positioning yeah. as well is underrated with Vidic. Everyone thinks he's just the kind of person to put his head in the way and play off Ferdinand, a more talented player. But he reads the game so well. He's not far off Ferdinand's level, you know, when he's, when he's on form. His weakness is he's quite slow in the turning around. As in, if you get Torres running at him like we saw last season, he'll beat him most times. But then, you're not going to come against Torres every week, and Ferdinand does offer protection when he's back. Yeah, I, I still think it was when he got exposed to pace, that's that's his only real weakness, and if mm. uh, a lot of the games, that just doesn't really happen. But if it does happen, that's his Achilles heel, really. I mean, he's lucky in that he's got Evra on the left of him and Ferdinand on the right of him, who are fast players and also read the game well so most of the time when he does get caught out it doesn't result in a goal other than that I mean let's not get down on him he's one of the best defenders in the league absolutely although he was a bit lucky when he slapped uh, he slapped Rodelga didn't he I don't know has he got away with that there was some talk of them looking at it afterwards did he really touch him though it didn't look too serious to me. It wasn't much. He put his hands up and he called him in the face. I think he, I think the guy made a bit of a meal of it. I suppose the, the letter of the law is if you put your hands up, then you, you get sent off. You can't blame anyone but yourself. I don't think he would have really done anything major because it wasn't that kind of game. There wasn't tackles flying in all over the place. And it wasn't a dirty game. Although Vidic, I, he has elbowed people in the past, so <laughs> you never know. What I like about Vidic is he always has this innocent face afterwards. It's like... Was me? Yeah, yeah, I also love the fact he's one of the worst divers in the league, <laughs> but no yeah. one ever mentions it. Um, I thought Johnny, Johnny Evans played well again, actually. Yeah, well, he's continuing to pro- progress. Right, Rio Ferdinand in the house. Brah, brah. You know I'm a motherfucking crazy nigga I'm more fucking dope than a poster I figure with a big head And stumpy legs Cooler than the captains in the match Dear threads Miss my crack test Turned up too late The biggest mistake in town The party say right But at least I'm not a loser Like Ashley Cole With the crazy frog ring Coming from his hole Ring ding 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 Look at me now with all my bling bling I'm a big man bigger than JT Better than a scouser named Stevie G Fighting for quality loves them songs He's only at a jail Cause cause you're a moans So tell us You still on the bench? You look like a hot fuck Judy Dench You fat a crap I said bladder ain't Stretch with King City Club, Man City. You are nothing more than a Rita Chelsea. Lampard's got a goal, big deflection. No runs away screaming, This one's for you, mum. Ireland, Tevez, Rabinho, Joe. Tinky Winky, Pussy La La Poo. Bigger fucking cousin when he's in my frame hole. This one goes up to Spoonie Pletch and Noodle. Not that kind of man who kicked it at the pool. And a big shout out to my homeboy Nile. Keeping it real, red cap style. Most of you spastics will probably hate this. Or even if you like it, you'll that's your So chill, relax, have a cigar. You're listening to Over the Bar.
Yeah, I suppose a crap, all right? Next topic? <laughs> <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> well, I mean, I have to say they, they started very well, although I thought Liverpool were particularly poor. The first game in Liverpool were pretty abysmal. And, you know, since then they played Hull and they were, they were pretty mediocre. I thought West Ham were pretty poor and Spurs are pretty poor. I think the problem at the moment is for a lot of these games, it's very difficult to work out the relative form because you don't know whether teams, you know, we beat Everton 6-1 and a lot of people turned around and said, well, you know, they weren't very good and it's, it's quite difficult to, to tell. I think Spurs have started quite well. I still think that, you know, their fundamentals aren't right. Really? Because um, I was going to say this season, I think their balance looks a lot better now they've got Palacios in there. They they've got a little bit more solidity, but I still think they're they're overall lacking in real quality. I mean, I think even the guys up front. I mean, Defoe, Crouch, and Keane, to my mind, aren't you know real top quality. I mean, they're good middle of the table stuff, and I think that that's where Spurs will finish. You know, somewhere somewhere about seventh or eighth. What's new then? They always finish seventh or eighth. Yeah, exactly. That, I mean, that's, that's what I think. I think they've started quite well. Uh, I think they've uh, they've been slightly flattered by that start, and I think that they'll they'll end up six or seven again. Yeah. I think a lot depends on their two centre backs if they can keep them fit. So presumably you're talking about King and Woodgate, but yeah, King and Woodgate exactly. The song uh, looks like he could become a good player for them. Yeah, the Newcastle guy. Yeah, I thought he, I thought he was very promising. Actually, I mean, you know, judging by the little I've seen of him, he, he's actually, you know, both for Newcastle and for Spurs, he looked very good. I thought we might pick him up at some point, but I think, as uh, as Blunder says, they you know, they got a problem with Woodgate. I mean, Woodgate and King are basically top four, top class centre backs. But you know, you're going to get, if you're lucky, you get one season's worth out of the two of them. And yeah. if you're not, you can get even less. Yeah, I was actually reading an article the other day about uh, Ledley King. He's going for the Paul McGrath uh, school where he, he doesn't train now in between matches to try and prolong his career. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the 15 pints of Guinness as well, presumably, for <laughs> exactly. every game. I don't know. Their, their goalkeeper's still a bit suspect, too. Yeah, <laughs> go, mate. Go I think all the defence, to be honest, did a bit. It's a bit naff. You know, take Woodgate and King out of it and what have they got already? Well, do yeah, you think. Yeah, fullbacks are very poor. I think Chorluca, Chorluca is not, hasn't really got the pace to play there. He's more of a, a centre back or a holding midfielder. So I think, you know, they'll. I think they'll, you know, they've started well. I think that they'll they'll settle down. I think they'll finish probably, yeah, 7 8, something like that. Well, I think they might come in fifth or sixth, just a little bit higher, because I think the balance of their squad seems a lot better this year for me. I think Defoe's improving as a player all the time and he's a, one of the best finishers in the league in my opinion and I think they've got a good spine to the team with King, Palacios and then some good forwards and Lennon looks to be improving again season on season and I think Modric is one of the best players in in the league in terms of being a, a creative spark Yeah, I agree with that I mean, going forward they're pretty good and I think Redknapp is quite underrated by, by a lot as a manager I think he's um, he's got a good track record getting the best out of people that... Um, other managers wouldn't have done. Well, that's the thing. Redknapp's reputation is as a wheeler dealer in the transfer market, but for me, he's very much a man manager and is quite good at rejuvenating players and getting them to play for him. Absolutely, but um, I just think you know one or two injuries in their defence and uh, that's their season gone to pot. Yeah, I, I think they're they're pretty good going forward. I think Modric is one of the best sort of creative passers outside top four teams, but I still think that the front two, you know, even with Defoe and Crouch, are just that little bit above real away from real top class. And as you say, I think at the back they're going to they'll have problems as the season goes on. So who would you say is their um, best partnership up front? Mm, who's the opposition? I think probably Defoe and Keane, but against some teams, I don't think they'll go four four two. I think if when they're playing the top four, they may well just play one up top. I think it's difficult. I think Defoe, although he gets goals, he contributes very little else. So if you're expecting him to contribute to team play, you know, I don't, I don't think he's going to cut it. So and playing two up top, yeah, might work against some of the lower teams. But you're, I think you're compromising the rest of the team against you know better teams. Yeah, I think if they went 4-4-2 with Defoe and Keane against Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea, then you're going to be looking at Keane to play more of a, as an attacking midfielder to support Palacios and Huddleston or Genus in the middle, because I think they'd get overrun otherwise. Yeah, they did play a bit of a sort of 4-2-3-1 last season with Keane playing off the left. He didn't actually, he was quite reasonable doing that as well, which I was surprised about. But I think, uh, yeah, they got problem with balance there, I think. Yeah, I think that's probably what it boils down to, balance. But I'll tell you what, if I was a Spurs fan, 
I wouldn't have minded seeing Pavlichenko get a few games this season. I think he's got goals in him, that guy. I think he's actually better than uh, than Crouch. I think he's probably the best forward they've got, actually, if they could get uh, stuff out of him. And in the Euros, he was really excellent. Yeah. Um, but they seem he doesn't seem his face doesn't seem to fit one way or another. I don't really know why. Yeah. It's maybe similar to the situation Forlan was in at United, as in he couldn't really get in the first team, and then he did okay, but ended up not settling in the league and then moved away and did quite well so you might see a similar thing with Pavlichenko I was just going to say I think Forlan was different he'd um, been literally in uh, Solskjaer ahead of him but um can we say that about Pablo Jango? Yeah, I was, for, I was quite pleased when he sold Forlan. I always thought he was a dangerous player and he hadn't, just wasn't really quite fitting in and I wasn't, I wasn't unhappy to see him go because I thought he could be very dangerous. Well, obviously since he's left, he's proved what a good player yeah. he is and scored yeah. bucket loads of goals every season. Cathard's deadlocked over which biscuit is king. Brad and Lau, it's all kicking off. Plett reveals himself to be competent in gay Swedish and gay Mancunian accents. That's racist. Plummy London music mogul takes up rapping. And as England triumph in the ashes, Red Cafe posters reveal themselves to know even less about cricket than they do about football. If that's possible. Which it's not. Good evening. Controversy continued to rage today in the general forum over the competing monarchical claims of various biscuits. But which biscuit will be crowned king? We go over live to our reporter, Astrakhan Kummerbund. Astrakhan, what the fuck is going on? Mike, it's all been happening down here in the general. We've had arguments, gay flirting, lists of biscuits. It really is an incredible scene. It all started on Tuesday when JDMUFC... Sorry to cut in there, but what a shit username. Uh... Yeah, so anyway, JDMUFC basically came right out and asked which biscuit is king. Posters then responded, typically in one-line posts comprising of the name of a biscuit and a bit about how it's nice to dunkin' in tea. But within hours, a major controversy had erupted, centering on Kit Kats. Namely, are they a chocolate bar or a biscuit? Surely it's obvious they're a chocolate bar. Well, B. Robson pointed out that Nestle called them a biscuit, though this was later contradicted by Wonder Pigeon, who maintained that Wikipedia says they're a confection. At this point, the thread started to become really quite gay, with various gimps offering to have sex with each other in return for information about biscuits. Noodlehead said cock biscuit, and I should also mention that throughout these major developments, Mong's posted a series of graphic pictures. Pictures of biscuits. That's right, Mike. Pictures of biscuits. I see. And what's the latest? Not sure. I can never really be bothered to read threads after they get past three pages, unless the last post is someone really worth reading. At the moment, it's Sesk's mullet. Mike, Astrakhan Cummerbund, thank you very much. In a related incident, Sparky, a retard, attempted to open the King of Biscuits thread, only to be confronted with a page of source code. Visibly distressed, Sparky started a new thread about this incident, in which he was advised to defecate in a handbag. Pletch then spent the best part of his lunchtime composing a song about Sparky's predicament, which nobody read. Meanwhile, a thread about Monday's Liverpool-Aston Villa match... <laughs> was disrupted by what police are describing as a very serious internet face-off. The two men concerned have been named as Brad, formerly Brad Cantonar, an illiterate Mancunian living in Sweden, and Lau, a racist Swedish bellend living in Manchester. They're only the English bits. Wannabe Hardman is our crime correspondent. Broken lives, frightened residents, and lots of little green laughing smileys. That's the legacy that remains from Tuesday's horrific online baiting session here in the football forum. It started with an off-the-cuff remark from Brad about how he'd kept quiet about supporting United while laughing inside at gutted scousers down the boozer. But Lau couldn't leave it at that. The scandalous Scandinavian steaming in with a barbed comment about not standing up for fellow United fans. That was too much for the Rochdale cyber toughnut, who invited Lau for a Northern-style welcome at Old Trafford. Undaunted, Lau lashed out. Oh yeah, the famous Northern style welcome, because you've already shown us a glimpse of, of, of your pride and, and your courage. But this time, Brad was ready for him. Brad offered to meet Lau before a United game and explained to him why he thinks he is a cunt to his face. Hey Lau, big man, I'm offering to meet you in Manc before a United game and I'll explain to you why I think you're a cunt. And don't doubt it for a second, I'll do it, I'll bloody do it. With his victim seemingly too distressed to respond, Brad pressed home his advantage. I think this guy's a cunt. I'm not the only one, and I've had enough 
are then acting billy big time about it. So we can put up or shut up. And if he shuts up, which looks to be the case here, well he can jog on, can't he? That's right, billy big time. Jog on. But the heading left bigot came out swinging. Oh, so sorry if, if I hurt your feelings. But, Brad, you had it coming. The police are keeping an eye on the situation to see if the big chint bellend or Swedish homosexual take the matter any further. That was wannabe hardman reporting. Well, that's about it from Red Cafe News. Here's Glastonspur with the weather. Hi folks, well it's all looking good, it's been the finest autumn since records began and it's going to stay bright and sunny for the rest of the month. Looking at September we're going to see warm, happy, joyful days ahead, going very mild and balmy winter, followed by a bright resurgent spring replete with the promise of growth and finally a glorious shining summer of... Uh... Fuck. And so we come to Liverpool, still struggling for form. Well, I think, I think it was a game, really, that echoed a lot of the things we were saying. Last week we were saying, you know, they're going to miss Alonso, and they did miss Alonso. We were saying that they should have got someone to add a bit of sizzle up front, and that was pretty clear against a, a packed Villa defence. And there were a few other problems as well. I thought that not only did they miss Alonso in the sense of his passing, they also missed him setting the tempo because they, there was a very flat performance. They never really got up a big head of steam. I mean, usually what happens when you, you, know, when you get one of the top four teams playing someone at home and they're, they're struggling a bit, they kind of pump up the volume and eventually the team cracks. But Liverpool could never really get that, uh, that tempo going to force them, I didn't think. No, they couldn't get the intensity, could they? They couldn't really yeah. hem Villa into their they own half. They never really got that kind of pressure going that eventually teams crack. Well, I think the key to Liverpool is always Gerrard at the moment, and he sits in that position off Torres in front of the midfield. But what Villa did... He's, they, sorry. he's not really started well, has he, Gerrard? No, he hasn't. But what Villa did really well was Sidwell and Rio Coca, and to a lesser extent Petrov, they played very deep and they cut out that position, so Gerrard had to drop in front of them. So he wasn't in between their midfield and defence. He, he was an attacking midfielder rather than a support striker. Yeah, he was a long way off Torres. I think he, he kind of dropped off to the left to get away from them, and that kind of took him out of the game to a large extent. Yeah, he ended up doing a lot of running around to not a lot of effect. And that impacted Torres' game as well. I mean, he doesn't look as comfortable now. Gerard's more of a distance away from him. He was on his own, I thought, a lot of the time. There, there was also a feeling that Liverpool weren't... The whole team, the team spirit wasn't great. They were arguing a lot among themselves and with the officials, and it, the whole feel of it didn't look great. Yeah. Well, that was strange, wasn't it, at the end of last season, when they had had a good season for them, and then Carragher and Arbeloa, wasn't it? They had a yeah, they had a big ding-dong. Spat on they? the field, which... Um, it's quite funny, actually. It was, but it's just it kind of leaves the impression that there's something not quite right there. Well, that was certainly the impression you got against Villa, that they weren't... I mean, I think, you know, for Arsenal, I think things last season weren't great, and this season you can see that they're really all on side, which makes a lot of difference. Well, it is easier when you're winning. We'll see when yeah, the first sure, defeat comes. Sure. But, you know, it, it's kind of chicken and egg, because they, they have that kind of togetherness, and that makes them a better team. Yeah. Whereas Liverpool, you know, it all looked... Uh, didn't look a happy, a happy ship at all. But I don't think Benitez is the best person at bringing a team together. He seems somewhat of a flawed personality in terms of the way he handles the press and other people. That being said, though, even with all the problems, I'm still surprised to see them getting beat by Villa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't think Villa were great, but I thought uh, I thought Liverpool were very poor, and I thought they'd win that. Well, I know I we. Think, I think they will improve. I, I think they're going to be. They're going to be up there. Yeah. Well, I was looking actually at their next ten games. I fancy actually two defeats in the next ten games. I fancy Chelsea to beat them. I have a sneaking suspicion that Bolton might do them as well. Well, the thing is, Liverpool. The goals they're conceding a lot of the time they're off set plays, and Bolton are very good at set plays. So it'd be interesting to see if they can improve before the next game. Well, defensively they look poor as well. I mean, Insua didn't look very good, and the the whole back four with. Johnson and Nsua just didn't look at all convincing. Well, they bought Johnson and and Nsua as well as a reputation for attacking, but Benitez's formation restricted them. They didn't really get onto the attacking. Johnson had a few runs, which you know didn't come to much in the end. I mean, they looked dangerous, but he didn't actually produce much at the end of it. Nsua, I think Nsua made the goal, didn't he? But defensively, he looked dubious to me. I think he's a good prospect though in Sua. You know, you look at uh, Benitez's record at Liverpool and uh, previous teams and he's always had this reputation as a kind of um, not positive 
play for a draw kind of a guy, you know. And then last season, last half of the season, they kind of took their reins off Liverpool a bit and they, they went on a really good run. Yeah. And, you know, you're kind of thinking then, you know, maybe he's just stumbled upon what they need to do. Mm. But it looks like he's kind of regressed again this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I was saying last week that I thought that he did do that. He took the the, uh, the break, handbrake off towards the end of the season. But he, if he'd done that three months earlier, they might have won the league. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, this season it looks like it's back to plan A again. You know, we won't concede and we'll grind out the win. Well, I think what Benitez does he sees himself as like the master tactician and he is very good when you see him in the big games he with lesser teams he does still manage to compete and I think he takes every game where he thinks that he has to produce a master stroke of genius in the tactics whereas when you're playing a team with worse players most of the time it's just about motivating your own team and getting them to beat them well that was the contrast between like Ferguson and Wenger seem to think okay I've, I've got a better team than you just go out and play and Mourinho and, uh, and Benitez seem to think we not as good. I'm, our team isn't as, has got as good players, so we're going to set the game up so we can beat you. And that was the difference in philosophy. Yeah. You know, well, Mourinho, I think, is a control freak. So he, yeah. even if he thinks he has got better players, which he probably did think at Chelsea, well, he might have done at that time. He still still wants um, control, and he doesn't want people having too much of a free reign. I mean, I wasn't actually surprised to see Ibrahimovic leave Inter for that reason. Mm. Mm. What do you think of Chelsea's new manager? Ancelotti, I don't know. Jury's out so far. I, think. I mean, he, he did reasonably well at Milan in the European Cup. I don't think he did that well in Syria. Ah, no. uh, he's got no experience of uh, foreign league. Um, he started quite well, I have to say. I thought Chelsea have been, you know, grinding out the results. I'm still not entirely convinced by them. I don't see that they should be hot favourites to win the league. And no. I still think that they, you know, they've been very efficient, but Drogba apart, I don't think they've been that exciting or that dangerous really I think just by the strength of their squad though it has to make them favourites I think it's good that Carvalho's back and playing for them he always makes Terry look a better player when he's there yeah, he's a good player. is good check, on the other hand, seems to be you know even more dodgy this he's season. He's got worse and worse, hasn't he? Uh, uh. They weren't great against Hull. Fulham, I thought, were very poor, actually. They played in Europe during the week, and they looked pretty jaded. I mean, well, again, it, you know, it's difficult to say, was it was it them or was it the opposition? But they, they played very defensive. They played like an away team. They played Murphy and uh, the other midfield player practically as part of a back six they were never going to get a goal by the looks of it apart from the first minute Dempsey had a chance and that was the only real chance that they threatened in the whole game so it was a question of you know when are they going to lose well I, th- I think I was the only one to predict a Chelsea win last week you did predict a 3-0 I'll give you that I was pretty I was, close I was, I was predicting that uh, Fulham would get a point but uh, on that performance said that there was no way they were going to win basically so if you want to round off the uh, the top four, I mean Arsenal won four one, but um, I have to say I wasn't entirely happy with that performance. There were some weaknesses defensively down the middle, the old long ball down the middle again. There was also a feeling, I got a feeling we kind of strolled up and thought we were going to win, and okay, we did reasonably easily, but I didn't like that attitude. There was a bit of showboating before the game was really put to bed, so whereas at Everton I think we were maybe flattered a bit by the 6-1 but the fundamentals were good I thought Portsmouth okay it was 4-1 but the fundamentals weren't so good you know I think we just have to have to be more professional more sensible about it the guy in midfield Diaby is it scored twice Diaby scored two fantastic goals yeah yeah. the papers have been kind of harping on for a couple of weeks about you know possibility that Vieira might come back it's not going to happen what do you think to those rumours I I think there's not a chance in hell I I think Vieira was sold when he was no longer physically up to playing in the Premier League and he was also sold to make some room for Fabregas so because they couldn't really they didn't play together too well so I, I, I've never thought that there was any possibility in that at all, unless he was coming back to do some kind of coaching role. I mean, I think what really went on was Vieira was looking for a move, and I think they're still good friends, and he discussed the possibility of signing him in the press just to try and drum up a bit of interest in Vieira. Yeah, I mean, Wenger's always very diplomatic. He never says, you know, don't be silly, what would I want Vieira back for? Yeah, but I, I think that maybe that's the real truth of it. I don't think I mean now a lot of the players that we've been linked with I don't think are any better than Senderos I mean Hangeland the guy at Fulham I think he's as slow as Senderos and if he played in a high line at Arsenal he'd get crucified just as easily yeah Arsenal's got a small squad again this year actually yeah well we've got we've got a, a lot of pl- the, the problem is we've got a lot of young players again I mean in midfield we've got you know Ramsey and Merida who are both 19 that's the problem and Wilshere 
and Wilshire. Yeah, I'm kind of leaving. I'm thinking Wilshire's even further out of the squad, if you like. But I'm th- looking at our central midfield players. Fabregas is injured, so you know who, who are you going to slot in? And then you're looking at Ramsey and Marida as being you know, two of the other cover players. And they're, I think Ramsey's only 18 now, and Marida's 19. And Danielson himself is only 21, and Song 22. Ramsey so did well when he came on, though. I thought. Yeah, he came Ramsey, well. He, well, he he did in the. Champions League he was a bit silly I think because he got himself injured and he didn't want to come off and he played on with the injury and it seems to have made it worse which is a bit annoying well, that's just but the exuberance of youth though isn't well, it well I think he, he thought I'm getting a chance I don't want to I don't want to signal yeah. come off but he, you know, he played well against Portsmouth when he came on he would be a very good player I mean, no doubt about that yeah you can see where Ferguson wanted him as well his best game really was when he played for the Welsh under 21s against England under 21s I mean he looked the best player when he played with his own age group he was the best player on the pitch by country mile, I thought. And what about Wilshire long term? Is he as good as he's being well, made out to be? I think he's absolutely fantastic, but you know, I, I'm kind of loath to go over the top yet because he is so young. I mean, you've seen so many young players come through. I mean, Bentley was pretty, pretty good as well when he was coming through. Not as good as Wilshire, but you just see that kind of promise not fulfilled. So you're low. I'm loath to to jump overboard. Well, do you think he'll bit. get games in the second half of the season? Maybe. I don't think you, you'll see much of him. I think there'll be cameo appearances. He came on in the uh, Champions League against Celtic for 20 minutes, but I don't think he's going to. I think it's going to be cameos for him. I don't see him making a significant impact. We still got you know people like Walcott who've got to really get into the team. Said Wenger could have pulled on his boots against Celtic. Oh right, they were that bad. Yeah, Celtic were not not great, I have to say. I think there's a problem with Mowbray again. He wants to play football with a team that doesn't really have the players, so they they sacrifice their strengths, which was endeavour and you know long yeah. walk, to try and play football. But the, the quality's not there. It's what he did with West Brom as well. So it's a difficult one, I think. Well, it worked for West Brom really well in the Championship, but not in the Premiership. Not in the Premier League, no. I think that's the same thing we might see with Wigan again this year. And possibly Burnley uh, in the Premiership. Yeah, I think with, I think with Burnley certainly, I think they they played some super football. They got some nice players, but I don't think they're quite good enough to get away with that in the Premier League. But having said that, they they uh, just beat the champions. They just beat the champions. <laughs> and then well, they followed up with another good result, didn't they? Did they beat Everton? Yeah. Yeah, they beat Everton. That, that raises the spectre of you know our Everton actually being a bit crap at the moment. Yeah. Judging of the six one, I think Burnley are going to do a bit, bit of a hole this season. You know, uh, getting the points in the first half of the season and then kind of dip again in the second half. Hi, this is your friend Diver here from Diver Shoots His Load. I'm here to promote the unofficial Red Calf podcast, or as I like to call it, when Southerners attack you with microphones. You won't Adam and Eve your ears when you hear the sheer butt-fucking awesomeness of this show. Now don't be Pete Tong, go up your apples and pears and give it a butcher's hook. You won't be disappointed. Keep up the good work, boys, and this is Diver saying, listen to the fucking show now, and thinking about it, you must be listening to the show if you're hearing this. Good on you, now get off your ass and start promoting the shit out of it. Peace. Well, this week also saw a return to the darker days of football with violence between Millwall and West Ham fans. Well, uh, I mean, I, I think, you know, I mean, everybody knew that there was a likelihood of there being a problem. So I think they had a very, I think they only had 350 police there, whereas they normally, I think, have about a thousand uh, a Millwall home game. So that was a bit crazy. Uh, I don't see why they did it in the evening. You think they would have done it? At a lunchtime kickoff, a lot of the a lot of the problem seems to be that Millwall don't actually let a lot of the real hooligans into the ground anymore, and they can't get tickets. So what they did is they congregated around the ground and arranged fights with other West Ham fans. So it's all by not seeing the game. They didn't care whether they saw the game or not. No. They wanted to fight. So you want it's kind of almost a peripheral problem. It, it's around the football, but it's not in the ground. Well, there was problems in the ground, wasn't there, with pitch invasions? Well, yeah, West Ham came on, but I think that was that was more a bit of silliness than anything else. I mean, they they kind of came on the pitch and jumped up and down and then ran off again. I think they didn't seem to need to be trying to get to the. Uh, to get to the Millwall end. I think there was also accusations of uh, racist abuse and things. Well, that was from the Millwall end, I think, yeah. I mean, a lot of the West Ham fans... I think there are, there are a couple of hundred West Ham fans who went on the ground, and most of the West Ham crowd was chanting off, off, off at them. So, you know, that was the general feeling. Obviously, because yeah. they didn't want to get banned. But I think, you know, for a, for that game, to play it in the evening with a limited amount of policing, I think was, was really that sensible. No. Is there any real solution, though? 
No, I mean, well, I think you have to look at it in, in terms of how much, uh, or, as always with football violence, look at it in terms of how much violence there's around. I mean, if you go to any nightclub, you know, of, a, of a, an evening, there's aggro every every weekend, yeah? yeah. So if you've got 20,000, 10 nightclubs full or something, then, you know, you're going to get problems. I think the police should just actually clobber Millwall before the match even kicks off. Okay, moving on. Did you see uh, Portsmouth are now taken over? Uh, there seemed a bit of controversy there because Peter Story was leading a consortium to take over the club and thought that was going to go through. But then at the last minute, Gaidemark decided to sell to Suleiman Al Fahim, who seemed to have gone out of the picture a little bit, but now he owns the club. Yeah, what happened to you there, Peter? I don't know. I think I got gazumped, didn't I? <laughs> Yeah, by the dodgiest-looking businessman in the world. Well, I don't, I don't know who's the dodgier. I mean, uh, my namesake looks pretty dodgy, if you ask me. And this shake, he looks like a sort of fake shake in a News of the World stand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you uh, see him on the match of the day on the first game of the season? You could not look like a more sleazy bastard. Um, <laughs> White Gaydemac. suit, open collar. <laughs> and Gaydemac, I mean, is is seriously Mafia, dodgy. isn't he, yeah. Big league dodgy. So I, I, I just don't know what you say there. I think that that's a bit of a minefield that one. But there's some, something really dodgy going on there. In a way, I mean, if you knew that the club was definitely going to be sold within I don't know, three or four weeks or whatever, surely you would try and keep your best players to give yourself a chance of staying in the Premier League. I think there's serious cash flow problems, though, so they didn't really have much of a choice. Yeah, I mean, I think Gaydemak was basically asset stripping and trying to sell it at the same time. Yeah. So, you know, you're trying to buy a club and you've offered X million for it, then you find the bloke sold, you know, £10 million worth of assets behind your back. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it was a kind of moving target, and eventually I think they, uh, they managed to snap it by the looks of it. And do you think they will reinvigorate their squad before the end of the transfer window now that they've had their future sorted out I don't know I mean, I, I just think it's such a, a, a dodgy operation you, you don't know what the game plan is or what they're trying to do down there um, I suspect they'll have to spend some money because they want to keep their status so they probably will spend some money they brought in Tommy Smith today didn't they for uh, almost two million yeah, he's a championship-level player, though, really. Isn't yeah, he? exactly. I, I think they're going to go down, to be honest. I mean, who have they but got left? They've got Crankyar, who's got injury problems, but he's still a good player. they got Crankyar. They they had this guy, um, Pinquion, who played on Saturday. He was actually quite decent. they got Utaka, who can be decent if he can be bothered, um, and a few other good players. Well, it's really boiled down to David James against the Premier League. Yeah, uh, he played well. He played very well on Saturday again. But that, that's his kind of game, you know. People raining shots at him and him saving most of them. Yeah, I, I think they're assertive with that, to be honest. I think it, I think you're right. If they don't buy, if they don't spend some money and replace the distands and the Campbells, then I think they'll probably well, go down. I think it's going to be more important to replace the Defoe's and the Crouches. So I don't see where their goals well, are coming yeah. from because who they got? David Nugent, Canu, who's about fifty years old. <laughs> Still, one of their best players on Saturday again. And that's saying, yeah, that's exactly the problem. <laughs> So the most protracted transfer of this summer, along with probably Jabby Alonso, has finally gone through. Lescott's gone to Man City for 22 to 24 million, somewhere in that range. Bargain? Do you know what? Could there be a more unexciting 25 million pound player? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Well, I don't know. I mean, they got rid of Richard Dunn. I don't think there's a whole lot between them. Yeah, there's a, like a 20 million pound change of hands of money, and I think they they got pretty much the same player, frankly. So they've done well. <laughs> what was it Mark Hughes said? Uh, he's one of the best centre-backs in the Premiership. Is he? Yeah, well, if, if you ignore Carvalho, Terry, Vidic, Ferdinand, Gallas, Woodgate, King, and probably yeah, a few others, then yeah. I'd say just about sneaks into the top ten. Oh, I was, it certainly doesn't at the top. I think top ten, maybe. I don't no, think he's Everton's. I don't think he's Everton's best central central yeah, defender. Yeah, is the best. Is he better than Upson? Probably not. I'd say he's probably not as good as Upson, actually. So, I, yeah, I think he struggles to make top ten, frankly. Still, 25 million. <laughs> so a big topic on the forum for the last two or three weeks has been Darren Fletcher I mean Brad's written a blog about it our very own Jimmy Hill and his point basically was he's still dividing opinion even now after a fantastic season last year and he's arguably our best central midfielder although that's up for debate um, he's come a long way since he came into the team really in 2003 after Beckham left and he's looking a fantastic player. Me and Peter used to have um, a few uh, debates about this one uh, over the last couple of seasons. I personally think he's 
been worth the place, um, certainly in the squad uh, over the last four years, and been a shoe in for the team over the last two seasons. I certainly think at the moment, on form, he should be our number one pick in the centre. I, I think he's improved. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought he would uh, he wouldn't be any better than mid table, and I think he's probably a bit better than that now. But I think that you know the pendulum swung a bit the other way, and people are starting to overrate him a bit now. I, I think if he's your best centre midfield player, then that says something about your real quality in midfield because I think he puts in a lot of work, but he really he really isn't quite good enough, I think, to you know to play for you. In what respect? I just think he, he just lacks a bit of, you know, a bit of authority in the in the passing or in the tackling. Yeah, I just think he's there's just not enough there. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's his passing's come on a long way, and previously he'd always looked to just pass it safe to the wings or to Carrick or Skulls to play on. But now he's looking to actually play into the feet of Rooney and Berbatov, and he's looking for the more ambitious balls that I think he's he, getting forward a lot more too in the last season and a half. He's also looking to get forward a lot more into the box. Scored a few goals last season, a couple, I think. Um, he got a couple, but again, I think you know that, that's what I'm talking about—the lack of quality. I mean, sometimes he makes the break into the box, but he, you know, was it against Wigan he missed a chance again. Also against. Oh, okay, um, it was a goodish good save from Bramble. I went to the Birmingham game, first game of the season. I was sat in the east stand right behind the goal where he had a actual open goal and slid it past the post, which is the kind of thing he does need to improve on—just that little bit of composure. But I think you're underrating him a bit, Peter. I think he's come a long way and he is good enough to be part of four central midfielders at the club. The amount, the amount of stick that fella has taken over the last few years is unbelievable. I mean, some of the things that were said about him, even by United fans, kind of make your blood boil. You know, he's only in the team because he's Scottish, he's Ferguson's son, he's a championship player, etc., etc. Absolute. Well, well, at the time he first came into the team, bef- you know, the very first season, he perhaps was a championship player, but he's come a long way since then, I think is the point. Yeah, but he's came out of position. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it helped him playing out on the right. I mean, I, the first time I remember seeing him play out on the right wing, he was uh, playing against Wolves, who were pathetic, and he, he was getting a lot of the ball, and he couldn't really do anything with it. But, uh, you know, I think that's not his game. His game is to put in 100% effort, to do a lot of closing down, tracking down, um, and play alongside someone who's got you know, a bit more passing ability. I think that's a good point. When you look at some of the great midfielders, like Roy Keane, you could play with two Roy Keanes in the centre of the park if you could clone him. Or Patrick yeah. Vieira, you could play two Patrick Vieiras. I don't think you could play two Darren Fletchers as your central midfield pair. You'd need a Fletcher and a Skulls, or a Fletcher and a Carrick. It's got to be a balance. He, I think he's great in that kind of partnership. Um, at the moment, I'd rather two Fletchers than uh, Carrick. Well, Carrick, Carrick's been very poor, I don't know why. I mean, he's, I, I think he's a better player. Uh, and I think I always thought Carrick's problem really is he just doesn't really have the balls to get hold of the game and really you know impose himself on things. Otherwise, he'd be a very good player. But he's been pretty shocking the last couple of games. He's I've been seen. in bad form for yeah. a good few months, and there's yeah. also been ever since the Champions League final, I think he had a poor game in that. But at least what you were saying, Peter, there at least in the Champions League final, he was one of the few players that did try and get on the ball and keep it. All right, he gave it away, which cost us the first goal. But he was trying to play, and unlike some of our players who just won well I, I, I thought you know Ferguson cocked up in that Champions League final he basically left you he had uh, I've forgotten who you had. was it uh, Carrick and Carrick and Giggs was Carrick it Giggs and played? Anderson yeah but uh, Giggs played further forward I thought really so it wasn't a three man midfield and I thought you had a lot of problems because you had three Barca passers to, to deal with in the middle of the, the field so I thought that was tactically you know I'll agree with you that we knew Barcelona were going to have a lot of the ball so when we got yeah. it we needed to keep it and our two best players at keeping the ball are who? Paul Scholes Dimitar Berbatov neither of them played mm. I'm not going to argue with Ferguson really he's <laughs> he knows a lot more than I do but that would be my take on it I actually think Fletcher would have made a big difference in that final as well he would have helped break up the play but it's easy to look in retrospect yeah of course yeah I mean I think you know in the semi-final we when we played Old Trafford we were equally stupid because you played three in midfield and we only played two pushed Fabregas right up the field and we got caned for half an hour at Old Trafford which basically set the tone for the whole tie if you ask me so in the big games nowadays do you think it's all one in the midfield and it's crucial to if the other team's playing a four five well five man midfield you've got to do it yourself it's always been one in the I mean for years I think it's been most most games if you win the centre midfield you'll win the game yeah unless you've got an Henri or a Ronaldo who can really turn the game against the flow 
So the Arsenal match obviously is coming up. Looks like Fabregas might be out. Fabregas might is out pretty certainly, I think, yeah. Really? Who, who but, do you think um, we should throw in then against Arsenal? I think you should play... The, uh, if I, I think you will play the midfield that you played against us last season, which will be uh, Carrick, Fletcher and Anderson. I don't think Anderson will play. You don't think Anderson will play? No, he hasn't been uh, in no, good form. I know he's been poor. Yeah. yeah, he hasn't been in good form. Well, then, uh, then presumably... I think Skulls might play. Fletch, Fletcher... Carrick and one of uh, one of Skulls or Giggs in midfield. Do you remember a few seasons ago when we were playing a deep lying two man midfield with Skulls and Carrick and it worked really yeah. well? Obviously, yeah. we're, we discussed that we don't think Skulls has the legs to do that anymore. But I think if you played Skulls and Carrick sitting deep still with Fletcher in front of them pressing, yeah. then that could still work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't see any problem with that. I mean, that's basically playing a kind of four three three, a bit like what you were doing in Europe last season. And I think we will certainly play 4-3-3. I think it will probably be... It looks like it's going to be Diaby and Danielson on either side of Song. I have a suspicion Giggs is going to play, though. I think it'll be Carrick, Fletcher and Giggs. Yeah, yeah Ferguson uh, likes uh, to pick Giggs in the big games. Giggs, uh, Giggs did play in centre midfield for you recently and played really well, I thought. Well, he's been playing central midfield for us, really. He's been playing in that... He, he played in that kind of attacking midfield role, role, ahead of the... Sort of behind the attackers and ahead of the midfield, I thought. The thing with Giggs, I, it's probably my fault, but for years I never appreciated how good his uh, reading of other players' runs was and his awareness of the game. But since he's not using his pace so much now, you really see that element to his game, his ability to pick a pass and get in good positions. Whereas before well, he, had the, he had the most assists last season for United, didn't he? Wasn't it I, think he did, I think he did. It, yeah, I think he, I mean, he played very well for quite a long time. I mean, I thought... Uh, I think he's made the transition from being, you know, using pace and being more or less a conventional winger to being a kind of all-purpose uh, attacking midfielder. I think he's you know, been brilliant at that. I, I would certainly pick him above Anderson for the Arsenal match. I'm not sure Anderson's a, I'm a, Anderson's a central midfielder for me, really. I still think he lacks the stamina to last out the game, and his, he strikes me as someone who ought to play further forward. He's more of an explosive player rather than a, a central midfielder. I think he should ideally be playing the position that Giggs has been playing which is in front of a midfield too yeah but I just don't think he's looked up to it lately which is a shame because I think he's got the potential to be a really really good player He's he's got everything really he's really regressed as well for last season I think he will yeah. come good in the end though if we stick with him I mean it didn't help like we were he's fallen out with Ferguson or something I don't yeah, know yeah I'm not true sure if that's true <laughs> Uh, a lot of bollocks. Yeah, I, I never paid too much. I mean, I know we were saying about when Fletcher was first coming through, he was being played on the right, which wasn't helping. And if you look at the last game, Anderson was playing as a left midfielder, mm. which I don't think is going to help him. I mean, at Gremio, he was playing sort of the Ronaldinho role of coming in off the left flank, but he hasn't played that in two, three years, so you can't really expect him to step straight back into that. No, I'd have thought, that, you know, the, the position for him, I'd have thought, is in, in the four two three one to be one of those three, probably coming off the left or centrally. Yeah, um, I think he's got to be the furthest forward of the three midfielders if he does play. Yeah, but you're not going to play that, so I don't, I don't you know, you know, if you're playing four four two or four four one one, I don't see where he, he fits, really. The problem is, if you put him in the attacking hole, if you like, the guy couldn't have a barn door. Well, that, that's the, the other problem. I mean, he seemed to have all the tools to, you know, to get goals. But he, that just hasn't happened. I think that part of his game might develop. So, how do we think the game's going to go on Saturday? I think uh, I think it'll be tight. I wouldn't pay much attention to the relative form of the teams because that usually gets chucked out the window. I think it'd be tight. I'd be happy with us to get a point. Um, I think if Fabregas was playing, I'd feel more confident that we could get a point. I fancy two one the United. Yeah, I think it'll be tight as well. I think United will probably nick it, especially if Fabregas is out. I think we'll win the midfield battle again. And as we were saying, that's where most games are won. I think I'd watch out for our Shavin as well. He's looked like not really being asked so far but I think he will be on Saturday well that's the question of who do we play at right back I think if we play Gary Neville he'll skin him for pace so is it going to be John O'Shea is Wes Brown fit I think he probably is yeah I pretend to put Wes Brown in and just let him clatter him early on <laughs> if do in doubt on him. round him um, and I think then that would be the end of our Shavin for that match I'm not sure. He seems pretty resilient. He's actually, yeah, he's, he's also hard to get because he's so small. If Brown tries to sort of barge him, he'll just go straight over the top of him. And what about United going forward? I assume Berbatov and Rooney are going to play again. Will that cause Arsenal problems? I'd certainly start with Rooney and Berbatov. I think um, we need to hold on to the ball a lot more because obviously Arsenal are quite good uh, when they have the ball. I think the form that Rooney's in at the moment, yeah, I think he can cause them all kinds of problems. Berbatov, 
I know he scored last week, but I'd just like to see him get get a few more shots in and go. Yeah, I mean, Gallus and Vermeulen have started very well. They look like a very good partnership, um, much more balanced than we did last season with Vermeulen attacking the ball and Gallus sitting off. So that should be quite an interesting one. I mean, uh, you know, Berbatov and Rooney are no fun to mark for an afternoon, but Gallus and Vermeulen have started very well. I fancy Rooney to score actually on Saturday. Well, he's in the mood for it lately. Yeah, he's uh, started well this season. Uh, he's usually a bit of a slow burner, but uh, I think with Ronaldo gone, the shackles have kind of come off really now. Well, I think, you know, people are looking at him to fill the, the, the... There's only one of them now, rather than two people to win the game, and uh, I think he's stepped up to it. I think he can be a talisman. I mean, he's shown he can be. Yeah, he's always always dangerous. I mean, you know, I, I think even when he's not playing particularly well, you think he could still pop up with a goal. It's kind of funny, actually, the last few seasons, he's kind of um, been more of a team player and not that kind of, um, shall we say, explosiveness that he showed mm. a few ago, you know goals against Newcastle and Middlesbrough those, those type of goals but um, last couple of seasons he's been more kind of workman like um, yeah I can't remember the last time Rooney smashed one in from 30 yards yeah exactly so uh, hopefully he's going to be like the Rooney of old again this year with Ronaldo gone but still keeping the benefits he's got in the last few years in terms of his team play yeah <laughs> get them all in then we'll all be happy if you get them all in at the same time he'll be one of the best players in the world Uh, one thing I've noticed uh, over the last few seasons, uh, especially this season, when I went to the first game against Birmingham and I was sitting in the East Stand by the away fans, was that how much louder the away fans are than the home fans. And you, it's coming across on the TV now as well, in so much so that home games are almost away games in terms of atmosphere. I don't know if you've noticed that, Pete. Yeah, I mean, uh, that we've traditionally been pretty quiet anyway, even at Highbury. And I think that's uh, that's in some ways got worse since we've moved because there isn't there's even less of a focus than there used to be so the the noisy home supporters are spread right across the ground and uh, there's a concentration of away fans and you find two or three thousand people who are making a noise in one place can make much more noise than even ten or twenty thousand spread out right across the ground i think you're probably nail on the head there peter it's like you know you're trying to get a ticket um for someone who's not a, a a season ticket holder, you're going to take it, take it wherever you can get it, really, aren't you? But you're more than likely not going to be sitting with your mates, so. Uh... And everyone feels a bit of a dick if they just get off on their own and start, yeah. start chatting. Oh, well, you know what will happen in a lot of times now is that you'll be told to sit down and shut up, yeah, because you're blocking someone's view. Yeah, I mean there is a case for that. You do get um, people who can't stand for the whole game and they want to see, but that comes back to the whole thing that there should be safe standing areas in grounds. I mean, I think, I think that's the long... I mean, basically what they should do is carve out an area behind the goal with about, I don't know, eight, ten thousand 10,000 tickets standing and sell those on the day. And I think that would encourage younger people to come. It would encourage people that aren't season ticket holders and it would encourage a younger, noisier crowd. But don't you think I mean, the season ticket holders are some of the serious season ticket holders are the ones that are going to want to be in the standing section? Well, they can, you know, I mean, okay, you might sell some season tickets for that for the hardcore. But I mean, basically, you know, the, the, the age profile at Arsenal is getting older and older as well. And you know, the people who made the noise when they had a tin shed called the North Bank, they were all, you know, eighteen to twenty-four and had about five or six pints of lager in them. You know? So you make a lot more noise, then that's it talking to my friends in manchester they've accused this of being a prawn sandwich podcast which is uh, <laughs> pretty apt i think but when i was at the game i noticed there was a fella on the right of me who was sitting there watching the game eating sushi from marks and spencers and that kind of struck me that this is not what it was like 10 years ago yeah well i mean uh, you know at arsenal now they've got a section of seats called the diamond club where you first of all you get a meal from ramon blanc it's ridiculous, really. But then at the same time, I was there with my uh, overpriced hot dog, looking at the sushi, thinking, that looks pretty tasty. Maybe I am oh. a prawn sandwich fan. <laughs> oh, I bet you would be. And the, the crap, some of the crap, the overpriced crap they sell for the average punter is uh, nothing to write home about, I tell you. Seven quid for a really horrible hot dog. Yeah. Well, that, that's really part of the uh, enjoyment, isn't it, really? You know, yep, there's a um, whole competition between all the, all, all the clubs up and down the country, you know, We've got the best burger, we've got the best pie, etc. That's kind of part of the, part of the enjoyment of it. <laughs>
the way I think it is going is more towards American sports, slowly but surely. I mean, I was in the States a few months ago and went to a baseball game, and the atmosphere there is totally different. It's very family-orientated, and there's they work to get the crowd up. I mean, if you did that in the Premiership or in English football, it would seem ridiculous, but that's probably the way it'll go long-term, in terms of our whole culture is becoming more Americanized. Well, I don't, I don't think they want away... F- people don't want away fans anymore. It would suit everybody if you had no away fans and you could just have home fans, I think. I don't uh, know. The community spirit you get when you go with your away fans... Oh, yeah. I mean, it's great, but I mean, I'm talking about the home team. Right. And, you know, the, the powers that be, really. They, yeah. They've made it more and more difficult, really, I think, to have, you know, for away fans. And they'd rather... They'd really rather get rid of them. And then it would be like the American sports. I mean, that's what I found. You know, with the first baseball match I went to... That was the thing that was really obvious. There aren't any away fans. Well, it's so yeah. far away, generally. It's, you're yeah, talking yeah, about a whole I mean, continent. You know, this was, you know, Philadelphia playing Atlanta, so, you know, you had a, whatever it was, five, six hundred mile trip if you wanted to go and see it. Well, I saw Texas versus um, LA, and again, you're talking a similar sort of distance. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that, that meant it's a completely different culture, that, you know, you're, you're there to see the team. It's not that kind of adversarial atmosphere. Basically, I found it very bland, yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it as a tourist, but then you wouldn't yeah. want to be going to that every week. And I don't think people do go to that every week. They pick and choose their games. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I went to the away game at Celtic, and, you know, that was great fun, because we were, they let us stand up, and there were about two or 3,000 people, and everybody made a lot of noise. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it was great fun. And I'd say the same about the Birmingham fans in the opening game of the season. I thought they were fantastic. I mean, their team did okay on the pitch, but they were giving them great support, giving us some stick. I mean, we were doing our best. There was only a few of us there trying to give some back, but um, it was good fun. Good set of fans. I'm amazed you could understand them. (laughs) Well, every one of their chants had Aston Villa in, so we just assumed (laughs) what they were saying. Okay, so Liverpool, they're going to need to start to pick their season up soon. They're away to Bolton, and... Liverpool have had a lot of problems on set pieces, so maybe that's not the best place for them to be going now. I think they need to win this one, so I think I think they'll win this one. If they don't, then you know you really are starting to say, are they out of the out of the race already? If they lost three games out of five, is it three out of five? It three out of four, isn't three it? Three out of four. Yeah. Yeah, three out of four. I fancy Bolton to uh, to do something in this one. I think Liverpool at the moment are way too reliant on Gerrard and Torres to do something for them. Well, you mm. notice that, don't you? When Gerrard and Torres don't play, don't play well, Liverpool don't win. Simple yeah, as that. Exactly. So I think if, if Bolton can close those two down, then they'll probably make a goal at a set piece or something. Yeah, I think we'll be watching match of the day, and it'll be a Gerrard wonder goal, and everyone will be raving about him again. And we'll oh, be back under normal service. We'll be resumed. They'll probably fall over in the penalty box and <laughs> no one touched them. Yeah, like Eduardo. <laughs> <laughs> well in there, Mike. Well in. Well, you're starting the witch hunt again. I can't believe it. <laughs> it's still going on about it. Yeah, it is a bit excessive, the coverage. I mean, the dives happen Sky? every week, don't they? I mean, Sky, I mean, it was like sort of, uh, now we're going over to the golf. But before we do that, what about Eduardo's dive? Yeah. Well, Ronaldo's gone. They have to pick on someone. Yeah, Christ. And what about Gerard? If they want to pick on someone, pick on Gerard. The diving icon's got to be someone who's not English, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Johnny Johnny Foreigner's got to be the king of the divers. They brought tonight. diving over here. Everyone was honest back in the day. No one cheated. Francis Lee never existed. He got <laughs> what did he get? He got twenty goals one season, nineteen of them penalties. Well, what, a- Andy Johnson as well. What was that a few years ago? Yeah, he got he got a load. He got, I think he got fifteen. Did he get fifteen penalties one season or something? Yeah, and he won most of them, didn't he? I don't know if you've seen that gif on the calf of uh, Gerard. Uh, oh, tops. That's one of tops, isn't it? It's absolutely. Su- oh, the 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 air shot. I thought you meant the starfish. The starfish no, one's the, great. Uh, the air shot. It's absolutely hilarious because he just the falls up shot. like uh, someone shot him or something. Yeah, he does that thing, doesn't he? Ref should pick up on it that he when he goes to dive, he'll always put his right hand or left hand, one of them, in the air, just one hand, throws, and go down like both that. Both of them up. I thought that's that's the star. <laughs> star first jump. Yeah. Like he arcs his back and really puts it into it. It's not yeah. like it's a. Convincing dive. I don't. I honestly don't know how he gets away with it. No, it's it's like a joke. Yeah, There's sort of a kind of stereo, not a stereo, a kind of caricature of a dive. Yeah. The best yeah. dive I've ever seen was Karol Pavorsky when he first came in to the United team. He was fantastic. What he used to do, he used to get hacked. And he used to just throw himself onto his knees and like <laughs> rip his back and cartwheel over and 
slide. Oh, <laughs> Fantastic well, sight. He got the penalty straight well, away. I was say, Bouye did pretty well. There was the one where Bouye does about the sort of 14 rolls that again yeah. someone <laughs> took and made him, he made him roll another few hundred times. <laughs> yeah. Which um, had that classic uh, thread, I think, from the middle here, 101 uses for Bouye. Yeah. Bloody good the other night, I tell you that. There's use for him playing on the right wing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought that. I mean, he's get, he got a lot of stick last season off Arsenal fans. Um, are they going to accept but, him this season? Well, I, I was actually giving Wenger the stick because I thought he shouldn't play him in, in right. I think he's, he's actually quite a good fullback and a very good attacking fullback. Uh, he's got defensive weaknesses. But I thought he shouldn't be playing him on the wing. But he played him even further forward this season just to prove how stubborn he is. And he was actually very good the other night. Yeah. Mind you, it was only against Celtic. And Chelsea have got Burnley at home. Easy win. Yeah, I, think I would say pick. easy, but I think they'll pick up the points. I think they'll pick up the points. In that. Yeah, can't can't see an upset there really. Tottenham should probably continue their good run of form against Birmingham. Yeah, I think so. I think Birmingham was just a very poor side. I can't see them avoiding defeat there. And newly taken over Portsmouth take on Man City. Yeah, I'd fancy City to take the points there. Yeah, I mean, Portsmouth were pretty... They weren't, spirit-wise, they weren't as poor as I thought, but in, in terms of actual play, they weren't great. So, yeah, I think... I don't know, that one could be close. I, I could see I could see uh, City not getting three points there. I'd say that one actually would be quite a good match to watch because it's going to be quite an open match, I'd say, with the players they have. Mm, yeah, no, it could be quite good. I'm still interested to find out how good City really are. I want yeah, to see them me too. Play someone decent and uh, you look at them on paper. They're, really they're first of. eleven on paper. You think they could give a game to anyone if if they can keep the consistency? Then you never know. They might be able to get close to the top four. I don't think they will, but I wouldn't rule them out. Yeah, I, I still think it's a bit of the sort of you know mini Real Madrid syndrome that you on paper you've got a team, but what's it actually going to look like when they're out there on the pitch playing someone decent? That's the the acid test, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of new players all at once too. It's going to take a yeah. while. It'd be interesting to see if Robinho turns up away from home this season because he was very poor on the road last season. Yeah, he didn't look arsed half the time, did he? No. Well, he's going to get a lot more space this year because people are going to be watching the likes of Ireland and Adebayor and mm. Ryan Phillips, etc. So he's going to have a lot more space to play in this year. Well, that's the thing. Last season it was Robinho was the star, but this season he's one yeah. of many, so maybe that'll take the pressure off him a bit and he'll perform better. I'd say I'm... Pretty impressive, um, Ireland. Like he's really come on the last year or so. Ireland's superb, isn't he? I mean, he really is. If he, you know, if he'd been signed for a big ticket fee, everyone would say what a great buy he was. I mean, I think he's been absolutely brilliant. He was one of the players of last season. Oh, I'd well, uh, officially. No, in my head. Yeah, yeah, in, in <laughs> my head, in my head too. Only I think he was, he was, uh, he was absolutely brilliant last season. That's the thing, if we just record lots, I'll just cut it down to the good bits like last time. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to cut it down to two minutes, MP? Yeah, yeah exactly. We'll, we'll just say hello and goodbye, and that'll be it. <laughs> the 90 second podcast. Did any of you see that Robbie Fowler ninja kick? Yeah. <laughs> I missed that one. <laughs> you got to see I, it, it's crazy. I don't know if that was delivered, though, Mike. It, it looked like he was just kind of trying to flick himself back up on his feet. What, in the other guy's face? <laughs> don't know it, it didn't look deliberate to me but funny nonetheless I thought it was deliberate notice how uh, peaceful it is without Mockney uh, and his aeroplanes <laughs> <laughs> do you remember last time oh last last week it was like a, it was just a sort of constant crashing and banging from the other end of the line <laughs> yeah we were just fighting like we were yeah, at Heathrow Airport he his mic last week yeah he says he's yeah. bought a new mic or something today so but then flawless I mean flawless as well I mean he seemed to he sounded alright and then he appeared to you know disappear down a hole or something so there was him <laughs> down hole, and then there's Mockney as you say, chewing the bloody mic. It was getting ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the other thing, Blunder, is, is Gillespie trying to make a comeback. I got the... <laughs> <laughs> I was just actually reading a thread about him. Uh, oh, is there another thread about him? I missed them. I was chatting to him. Well, not chatting, obviously. Um, yeah, I messages right. with him this morning. He basically asked to come back. Now, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, he used to wind me up something rotten. I mean, I really hated some of his posts. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, he's not abusive and he doesn't post porn things or anything like that, so it's not that bad. I thought he was all right, actually. I, mean, I, th- I think he, I think he, he. Uh, what happened is the calf kind of moved on a bit, and he didn't see it moving. That was a problem. So he looked a bit. Uh, I think people got a bit upset with him then. Well, I don't really know him. What was his? 
Oh, he's as, just an Arsenal fan. He used to come out with these really. He used to say that my observations of the last game were that <laughs> United were shite, basically. <laughs> but, it would, but it would be quite well argued. If you're going to yeah. do that, you've got to do it subtly, haven't you, Pete? No, uh, no, it was, it was quite well argued. It used to wind people up something rotten. And the thing's like, you know, the thread he created, Wayne Rooney finished at 20. Uh, <laughs> uh, come on, like, you know, that's, if that's not a wind up, I don't know what is. No, that was a wind but I mean, even that one, though, there was, there was a, a little bit of basis to it, because they had that picture of Rooney and his, uh, his mum and dad coming out of the sea. If, if you remember that, it was in the mirror. They looked like yeah. the, the three blobs coming out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Sort of primeval blobs coming out. <laughs> I think he took that as his start point. To be fair, the Arsenal fans are probably the best of the opposition fans on the forum. You guys got like Sesk and stuff as well. He's all right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought the Liverpool. I, I have a bit of a problem with a couple of the Arsenal fans. So I think sometimes they're a bit too uh, too arse licking. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I think the, <laughs> yeah. the Liverpool fans, the Liverpool fans, uh, you know, keep a bit of distance. I think you got a you're on a rival forum. You're not here to. To slag your own team, I think. So you know, you got to. It's Joe Pub's the one who hates Wenger, oh, isn't it? Joe's going on about Wenger all the time. I mean, get some more wick sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Sack Wenger, sack Wenger. Yes, Joe. <laughs> yeah, we need to try and get a few more fans from other teams. I think. Yeah, I think that helps the Chelsea. The, the Chelsea guy, there was Duffo, who's actually quite good. And then there were there were a couple of other Chelsea it's guys. Team they something or other, oh. isn't there? As Team Brian, I don't. Yeah, I'm not mad team about him. Team DP, that's it. Yeah, and anti Hen is it anti Henry, which is a bit weird. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Duffer used to post quite a lot, and he was he was actually quite good. Is that not uh, anti Henri? That's what I was wondering. I, I don't know. I, th- I think it is something. It is uh, an Henri thing. Yeah. I think Spammy's good. Spammy's he excellent. Actually, he's very funny as well. Yeah, right? and Murph yeah. as well. When he can Murph's good. Murphy's okay. Yeah. And we tried to get we tried to get him on here, and he said to me, "I'm 54. I don't know what Skype is. What's a podcast?" <laughs> and then I told him, I explained to him what it was, and he, he said, "No." <laughs> and, and he said, "Can I go and hide under the stairs, please?" <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have taken him for being 54. No. Well, Pete wanted him because he was old. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to feel better. Some some more old git. There's B9, I think. B9 is quite good as well, actually. Dumpster is the one. I mean, he's stupid. <laughs> Bloody embarrassing, you know. He comes on to try and uh, either wind you up or have a go, and he just makes a total prat of himself. Is he the one who's had the get your league tables out thread? Was that him? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Oh, the biggest just... backfire thread. That guy, Andy Allerton, that you've probably seen in Rock. Oh, he's a rock guy. Oh. I tell you what Murph did say he said he knows Andy Allerton in real life and uh, do I want to get him on for one week before this <laughs> I think we should we should get yeah, him on you have to absolutely that'd be great we'll cool. do it the week before the Liverpool game we'll just get him on and Ralphie or something and just let him go go rip yeah and get Fred on <laughs> oh yeah 